Ready to explore the branches on your family tree? Join avid historian and genealogist Cherie Harper as she helps you begin your journey of finding out just where you came from. Brick Walls and Pitfalls starts now. Welcome to another episode of Brick Walls and Pitfalls with Cherie Harper. Um, today's episode is going to deal with um, some more genetic genealogy information. And I'm coming to you live from the Henson Oakley Podcast Center here in Cookville. Um, so the last episode I talked about just kind of an overview of what genetic genealogy is used for, um, you know, different ideas of how it might can help you. Um, today I'm going to talk kind of specifically about using it for family tree purposes. Um, I kind of touched on it in the last episode where basically um, I've came across several brick walls in my research um, on both sides of my family. Also in my husband's family, we've got a pretty interesting story there that we'll share at some point. But, um, you know, where you think you know where you come from or you've been told one thing and then you kind of turn it turns out that it's it's totally different um, than what you were told and or no one has any idea and it's up to you to solve it. Um, probably the most obvious one to me is going to be that um, my mom's side of the family, I don't really know a lot about um, the family history on that side because I didn't grow up around my mom's side of the family and so... Whereas my, with my dad's side, I have tons of stories and lots of background information to kind of help me connect the dots. On my mom's side, I don't really have that. Um, she didn't grow up around her father, and so that's mostly his side of the family I'm talking about. Um, it'd be my, my maternal grandfather's side of the family. I just don't have a lot of information. Um, my mom wasn't around him growing up and wasn't around her grandparents on that side growing up. So there's just sort of a, a, a blank um, for the most part. And so I'll admit to being overly fascinated with this part of my family just because I felt like with my dad's I already knew so much because I grew up hearing all the details. I I was raised by my grandparents on that side. And so, you know, I always have all these stories, all of the, um, you know, lots of, you know, stories that have been handed down. I've seen pictures uh, my entire life of this, these people. And so. I feel like I know them, whereas my mom, it's just a blank um, for her dad's side of the family. And over the years, I've gotten in touch with a lot of those relatives, and I have a lot of information now that I didn't have before and pictures and things like that. But, you know, when I started doing genealogy, I wasn't really there yet. I started on this stuff about 10 years ago when my daughter was a baby, and um, I really kind of skimmed my dad's side and um, focused a lot of attention on this part of my mom's family because of the lack of information. And so um, it seemed like almost it became almost like a mission to see what I could find. And since I didn't have those stories and didn't know these people, like this was something that I could maybe figure out on my own doing it this way. And um, although it doesn't necessarily give you that personal context that you want sometimes, especially if you're most people who are genealogists and who are into family history, they want those stories and the personal feeling and connection. This won't necessarily give you that. But it will, uh, on some level, it can. You know, as you research each ancestor, you can find bits and pieces to get a feel for who they were and and what their life was like and things like that. So um, I feel like it's been pretty successful. But um, on my mom's side of the family, um, my my maternal grandfather, going back beyond him, I was able to get to his, his, his father and his grandfather. And then it's... And when we get to his great-grandfather, which would be my third great-grandfather, it just stops. Um, Because of the timing, and I've kind of touched on this before, because of the timing, uh, the censuses before 1850 only included the head of household. 
And so my third great granddad would have been born in about 1820. Um, Some of the records say 1822, but anyway, somewhere in there. And so up until 1850, um, he wouldn't have been necessarily listed um, as a head of household anywhere. And so um, he pops back. He pops up in 1850, you know, married to my third great grandmother. But before that, there's just I had a hard time. I couldn't figure out who he's connected to. Um, I knew that he was born in North Carolina, supposedly, or Tennessee in 1820. There's conflicting records there. Um, And I knew he lived in White County most of his life, White County, Tennessee. I knew that. But other than that, um, it never shows. A lot of times in the censuses, you'll find where an elder relative has moved in with the family, and that gives you that mom or dad that you you needed from that time period. In this case, there's just nothing. I never could find him with an elder relative living in the home connected to him. I never could find him living next door to anybody with the same name which is a lot of the things you look for when you're trying to connect families together. Um, he died sometime before 1910, between 1900 and 1910, which in the state of Tennessee, there were no death records before about 1913. And so, again, with the deficit of, you know, if there had been a death record, you might could prove it out, um, you know, because it might would say who his parents were. So I had none of the paper that I needed and it drove me crazy until I did the DNA and I worked on some other things because we had some stuff on my husband's side of the family I was working on um, that, you know, were, were more important. But finally, um, honestly, just in the last year or so, I was able to use um, the DNA part of it to figure out how we were connected and, and how the, the line ran. And it really kind of came to light because of Ancestry's new um, algorithm they use. When you go into your DNA results, it actually gives you now... Um, when you go to your main results page, it'll give you places to click where you can click for your DNA story, which gives you sort of your ethnicity, so to speak, your DNA matches. And it has a new part called through lines. And what that is, is basically if you and several other people who are using the Ancestry DNA share DNA um, and several of them have, you know, John Smith, just as an example, in their family tree, but maybe you don't have John Smith in your family tree yet, it's going to try and tell you, hey, you might be related to this person. Look at this. Now, sometimes that is helpful. Sometimes it's a mess. Um, If a whole lot of other people have wrong information, it's going to still point you that way because it's just connecting the data. But you can use it as a tool in an area to start looking, um, something that maybe you wouldn't have looked at before. And so that's real. It's really actually very helpful. Um, you know, as a tool, you don't want to take it as as science for sure. You don't want to take it as gospel, but it is it at least points you a direction sometimes that maybe you weren't looking. And again, you are listening to Brick Walls and Pitfalls. I'm your host, Sheree Harper. We're broadcasting from the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. Henson Oakley Family Dentistry on West Jackson Street in Cookville now offers Zoom teeth whitening. And now back to today's episode dealing with more genetic genealogy. Um, So back to my particular situation, um, in White County, um, in the early 1800s, there were several people named Lowry. Now, you'll find different spellings for names all the time. That's another common thing. Don't get hung up on how something's spelled. Um, things can be spelled phonetically. Again, a lot of people didn't necessarily read or write and didn't know how to spell. Um, and so the census taker would just spell it how they thought it sounded and move on. But I did notice that it seemed to be consistent that one group kind of seemed to spell their name with L-O-W-E-R-Y, and then my group seemed to leave out the E. 
And so that didn't mean they weren't connected, but it seemed like maybe it was a hint. Um, and so as I got to doing the genetic genealogy and looking at it, basically what you have to do is you go and find um, when you're in the ancestor DNA, um, you will go to your matches and then you want to Google like you, there's a search bar there for um, last names. And so I put in Lowry, but spelled both ways and looked at everybody who matched me who had Lowry in their tree. And then you go in and you click on the tree. I mean, it is a tedious um, process to figure it out sometimes. And it, it took me quite a while with this one because I was looking three and four generations back. And because of that, the amount of DNA you share with people who would share a common ancestor from that far back is is relatively small. And so it's sort of a needle in a haystack. And you also have to rely on the fact that those people have also gotten far enough back in their family tree that it's going to show up enough to help you at all. Um, but I did get kind of lucky. And so what I found out is that um, my group is definitely separate from the other group. And so that was good to know. And that um, as I started looking at other people who had some of these other people in their tree, I was able to come across a Bible record that then showed all of the siblings of this particular lady who lived in White County that I'm genetically connected to somehow um, and was able to see her siblings for sure who they were. Um, I was able to go to her gravesite actually. And so I think from what I've been able to gather, because the through lines kind of show me that um, basically this lady's brother was probably the dad of my John Lowry that I was trying to investigate so hard. And the reason I was having trouble connecting is because um, her brother, whose name was Shadrach, moved away to Illinois in about 1830. And so he took all of his, or 1840 actually, and so he took all his group with him. And it looks like that my third great-grandpa stayed behind because he would have been of age at that time. And so from what I can tell, you know, without knowing for sure, that's my best educated guess at this point, is that um, he stayed behind because he'd already built, started building a life here or had, you know, plans to do something here. And they all went to Illinois, and he stayed. Um, we're definitely connected to um, to a John Lowry that would have been his grandpa. That's for sure. The through lines is showing me that, and all the the other people that I'm genetically related to are showing that person in their tree, and then finding the Bible records. So I mean, it's kind of like it's like a puzzle. And anyone who does genealogy knows that that most of this stuff is is just putting a puzzle together. It is taking this piece of information and holding on to it, and then you find another piece of information and hold on to it. And in this case, solving this one was um, probably eight years in the making of, of me pursuing it really diligently in every which way that I could possibly pursue it. Um, and it turned out to be science that solved it. And so whether, um, in this case, whether John Lowry's parents were whether it was Shadrach or it was one of the other siblings I know it was definitely one of them was his one of his parents and um, I was able to at least go okay it's probably this one so I'm just going to go with that but I know for sure his grandpa was this John Lowry and then I can go from there and, and at least get over that hurdle um, so in my case you know eight years of research and paper and honestly frustration ended up being solved in a matter of a couple months of just really drilling down the genetic genealogy um, there's lots of great blogs and websites out there telling you how to do it. Um, again, if you ever need help kind of understanding how to put that together, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Um, if you're local, I'd be glad to, to show you how to do it and, and try and help you with it myself even. Um, 
So just contact me if you need help with something. It's Insight Genealogy is my page on Facebook. Um, I'm always available to answer questions, and, and there's really no stupid questions when it comes to this. It can be overwhelming. But the genetic genealogy can be the thing that makes your makes or breaks your case. Um, it can either steer you a certain direction. It can prove everything you've been told your whole life to be wrong. Or it can just confirm what you think you already know. And so um, I'd encourage you again to go to Ancestry.com, do the DNA test, and, and see if it'll help you to uh, you know, get a little further in your research. Anything you can do to help along your research is always valuable to me. Um, but that's going to be all for today's episode. Uh, the next episode, I'm probably going to talk more about genetic genealogy in the context of um, you know, finding birth families and things like that. You've been listening to Brick Walls and Pitfalls. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.